If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Welcome to Four Blades in a Pub, everybody. Uh, very rainy night here in Sheffield. I hope everybody stayed safe with all the flooding that's around the city at the moment and uh, got home safe and sound and wrapped up nice and warm. So we're here at the Cross Sides. Um, there's four of us here today. Unfortunately, Dan couldn't make it, but we've got special guest Luke Prest's here. Good evening, Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Ian's here. Evening all. We've got John. Good evening. And hello from Phil as well. So... Where do we start? I mean, let's be honest, performance on Saturday, we could talk about this for an hour and a half on its own, but we'll try and keep that. it. Let's, yeah, let's just talk about that, I agree. Brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of words to describe what I'm watching from this United side, genuinely, because I, I could, you could like to could eulogise it all night and we're just saying the same things now. And I, and I don't want to get bored of it. <laughs> I think the thing for me with Saturday, it was so good. I mean, we've been good all season. There's not been really, apart from a half here and there, we've been good all season, haven't we? Yeah. But Saturday was so good, so professional, so clinical, all over the pitch. I mean, you got Lundstrom on the match and probably rightly so, but you it, felt, it could you, have been almost anybody apart from Henderson who'd fail to touch the ball. You kind of felt that we'd been building up to that for a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. There's been a, the Liverpool game was fantastic, we missed chances. We went to Watford and sort of was breaking down. And you just felt that one day, sooner or later, everything we hit was going to go in the net. Yeah. I, I thought first, funnily enough, first 15 minutes, I thought was just like that final ball. The build-up play and everything was good. And I was saying, here, yeah, we just got to just up the quality. Well, and then when we came, it mm. came with just... We just say that, like, final ball, that's been a sort of archetype of our performances for four it, years. Yeah. Like... We've had so there's been patterns of play in stages in game where dominate the ball, but then um, it's that final thing in the box sometimes that slides down. And then, like like Luke said, it, I feel like that was it was, it was coming, and then it, it it came, and boy did it come. We've yeah. talked about it for a few weeks actually, haven't we? That the Burnley game could be the one where we open up and like rip a little bit. Well, I, I, I said I thought it was coming. I didn't think it would come against Burnley. I no, that, I thought, I thought, I thought when I you looked we at the did the fixture list. Did we? We you, I looked at the fixture list. And we thought Burnley are probably the one side that that we wouldn't. Almost everybody that yeah. we've spoken to would have said the same thing. They would be our biggest challenge. Obviously, we played the Champions of Europe, but the way that they play and the way that he sets them up, they were always going to be, in theory, a difficult side to break down. But I mean, I'm assuming they must have had some sort of a bad day because they were shocking, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, the, the players that you, we talked about, I mean, the you know the, the buzz around McNeil. Barely touched the ball. Didn't do, anything, didn't do anything at all. You know, for the the back two of, I mean, the good defenders, but we made Tarkovsky and me just look like mince me. Tarkovsky was rubbish. Tarkovsky was. I don't know. We've got an England cap. I mean, we were talking about the England call-ups that's happened today. Or non-call-ups, yeah. Or non-call-ups, yeah. But how he's got an England cap, I don't know. He just looked like a donkey to me. I think they were. I think they were hung out to dry a little bit by the system that they played. I mean, there's a reason teams changed to five at the back. Yeah, true. Stuff. And I, I, I actually. Probably because it was Matt Lowton at fullback, I noticed it a bit more, but I felt sorry for him at one bit because we were just doubling up three men, tripling up on him, and he had 
he was just there on his own. They were playing little triangles around him and he went to the ball and he yeah. shifted and went round. The most joke about that down that side for a long time. So a lot of the more open chances have come on the other side. They've yeah. balled off recently, haven't they? Mm. Um, I think a couple of things happened in the game. Like, Well, to touch on the centre-halves briefly that you just mentioned, how um, when Michael Keane first went to Everton, a lot of Burnley fans were saying, well, Everton signed the wrong one. He should have signed Ben Mee. He's, much, he's a much better player than Michael it Keane. Man U, ben. I have no idea. Keane did, obviously. I'm not sure what me did. I don't, I'm not, I don't hear Google him live on air. But, um, and I think that's the case with Tarkovsky as well. Me's the, the superior of the two. But obviously, without Goodmanson, you had uh, Hendrik on the right. He got dragged into the middle, which left that gap, and we just destroyed him. And what's this is another like big feather in the goalie's cap. People talk about him dropping into space, but he didn't just drop anywhere, he dropped into the area. Yeah which was vacated by Hendrik moving in the middle. And no surprise, that's where some of the chances and inevitably some of the goals came through that side. I mean, the first two, goal, the first two goals, borderline, like, if you, you, you watch them in isolation, you'd be like, hold on, is that, have I watched that again? That video, that, there's a video that's gone viral, isn't there? I think it's had something like over a million views now, that with the second goal. Yeah. The little passing build up beforehand, the little one-two between Stevens and... The Goldwick sets it off. Yeah, it is what, you, what that video doesn't show you is about 20 seconds before that, maybe not even that, Norwood's got the ball in the middle of the pitch with about four players around him and he just drops his shoulder, shoulder moves yeah. to the right and starts the move going by, I think he plays it to possibly even Bulldog. That's where the move actually starts. But some of the passing was so crisp and purposeful, wasn't it? It, it, was, the, like you say, it was the sharpness of it and the speed of it. And sometimes when we have pass it, we pass it well, but sometimes it's that little bit slow and you just think, that little bit more... It was direct. Yeah. It was really direct. It was win the ball by three, four, five passes, ball in the net yeah. within, three, within 30, 40 seconds. Well, pull, I was dissecting the second goal and my dad's like... <laughs> and the next thing I know, Fleck's through and he scored. But that's it, which shows what John Fleck can do when he takes it. I don't know what that noise was, by the way. I'm sorry. Oh, I said that's somebody who's got one eye on the pitch, one and me in his other ear. Bless him. Um, I, I, I was talking to Dad, the way Fleck scored, that highlight for me, I'm, I'm there with my 77 year old dad. And uh, as Fleck hit it, you just sort of arrowing towards the corner. I just sort of shot up, jumped up, fully joint, glanced at my dad. And he looked like a seven-year-old, not a seventy-seven-year-old. There was this look of shock and joy on his face. You know what? Three up in a family. Well. Yeah. We kind of just looked at each other and were like open mouth, like, "Is this happening?" We yeah. three up before yeah. half time. Whether you're seven, seventy-seven, that's what watching the Blades is about. Yeah. At the minute, it's yeah. moments like we had on Saturday. Right. I, I tweeted after the game about, and, and I can't remember who actually told it me, but it's the highest they've been in my lifetime. <laughs> And they may never get that eye again. We may never be six in the Premier League for a period of time ever again. Oh, you're saying I was looking. Um, I mean, I think we you, were. You, you're, you're slightly younger than me, but the year I was born was the year we got into, missed out on Europe by a point, I think it was. Yeah. And we finished sixth. And like you say, apart from, I think Spenny well, claimed, I think uh, Spenny claimed that uh, we were top for, uh, we, were set, we were second or third after we beat Man United on the opening day of the season. That's not the same. You've got to give it a few games. To, uh, I'm to that. So you've got to, yeah, that's, that's spurious, but... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, now, 11 games in, I think you can claim that as being sixth in the league properly. Did you see, I mean, it was interesting that, obviously, there's a lot of analysis of the game. And I, I, you can take all the stats, you can look at all the extrapolations of where this might take us, and there's been one or two interesting things in the last day or so on Twitter with that. 
But to me, you don't need anything better than Alan Shearer turning around on Match of the Day and saying Sheffield United were magnificent. Yeah. You know, and the, I don't like to say the Match of the Day highlights probably didn't do that justice and he probably had, had the need to no, say I that. Right. I, you know, I love the fact that it's gone full circle, that we, we were sat doing these pods about three, four months ago, getting absolutely slated left, right and centre in the media. And now we're doing... More, it's more the just the loving, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. it? It's tremendous how it's turned. You still won't get people like... Durham apologising for his comments. I'm not apologise, but they've, they've, they've turned face. Uh, yeah, some have. Uh, but, but then, but then you, you, you say that, but then you've got you've got Warnock on Talksport this morning saying our defenders are bang average. Yeah, it's just a prick, aren't it? Yeah, I mean, good, I mean, and, and well, that's so. wonderful, Neil. But you never had a stocking suit. You got us relegated because you bottled it. And, and Claude Davis. You've never kept a side in the Premier League. And, and the, only player, take his the, the only player from his team that could get in our team was currently sat on the bench. Yeah, yeah that's true. Fact. Yeah. yeah. And that sums it up perfectly. Yeah, the man's an idiot. We talked about this when, last week when he called Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield Wednesday, but he first told us at Sheffield. He, any sort, he's never been a blade. He's an absolute shit house. And, and actually, Talking about something about I was really happy about now. Four blades and a pub stance on Neil Warner. Oh well, we've talked about that. I mean, we we'll special on Warner. I'll, I'll go. I'll go shit out. I think so. Second yeah. 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 Pretty much apart from Dino, obviously didn't touch the ball. Anyone could get man of the match for me. Um, obviously, he does have to be Lundstrom. In a way, has he got a brace in the Premier League? But Fleck was outstanding. Yeah, again. It was, it was, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I've, I've been a little bit critical of Fleck purely for the fact that he's been playing so well, but there's not been a great deal at the end of it all. Mm. He's been sort of bursting into the box and fluffing across or, or, or dithering over a shot, but. I think when he placed that first time in the bottom corner, he almost thought there's Liverpool's in the back of his mind here. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did it against Arsenal as yeah. well. Yeah. He? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and it, it's a nitpick. And yeah. it's, it's not major flaws, but if we are going to, and this sounds ludicrous, but if we are going to push for Europe and stop and try and hang around in the top half of the Premier League, that's the sort of Clinical finishing and he's got to decide that on a regular basis. We've got to get those balls from the players coming to midfield because yeah. um, I think Musa will score goals. Musa showed on Saturday how he can be a provider. I mean, that, the, the awareness the of that. Is, oh, I think the layoff I think, was just and without taking anything away from him, I think he was trying to find flag. I think based on the way that his body shape yeah. is, but for him to even have the foresight to even recognise he's not going to score yeah. and to lay it off to somebody else. He's well, just incredible. Whatever he's trying to do, it's the same sort of awkward positioning they got the goal at Chelsea. Yeah. So I saw that today in the watched it was a so much bloody content for United at the minute. It's like they need to find put an hour a day aside. But I watched the Egan interview that he's done talking about his dad and, and stuff that was that was on I think it popped up on Facebook today when I was like having a poo or something and then uh, <laughs> so I watched that and um and in that there was an angle of when it was the own goal at Chelsea. Yeah. But Moussa is again right in an awkward position, causing people to make decisions and they each led to the goal. I mean, McGoldrick was going to say, the other thing you say is he's going to score some McGoldrick. Lately, we've got to play him. Yeah, and he yeah. may not score, 
But again, we talked last week. We thought we might go with a, a number ten. We didn't. But actually, McGoldrick back in that position links so much up for us. You've got Moussa quick enough, and he works hard enough when he's not blowing out of his ass to do the work of two forwards. Yeah. It allows McGoldrick to drop deep, and he was finding those pockets. McGoldrick not over. scoring isn't a problem if other people are scoring. Exactly. If he's creating, exactly if he's, you know, if he's creating chances for Moussa, if he's dropping deep and linking up play that leads to chances for other people, then. Who cares if he's not the one putting the ball in there? And the um, for me, the like, to furthermore than that, the third goal when you watch the sort of the way we press from the kickoff, it's really interesting how like Moussain proper puts the burners on for a little run. Then he's like, he almost like, okay, that's no longer my area. I don't have to do that. Make his way over, and then he's obviously the one who threads it through to 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 flank for the goal. And that little passage of pressing. It, oh, it reminded beautiful. me, we talked on the pod a couple of weeks ago about that bit of passage of pressing against Arsenal. Yeah. And they had like 18 passes in front of their own box and yeah. one were going and one were dropping and one were going. It was the same. Lundstrom and Fleck were going in unison. One, it was like they were on a piece of string. One was going the other one was dropping back. It was brilliant to watch. The, the, the way, like you said, the, the way they know their roles in this team. Yeah. Yeah, it's a worry if, if we get injuries and we get suspensions. But at the minute, while we've got this team, everyone performs their role. Absolutely. We move, we drop, and we're so well drilled. On the uh, Guardian uh, Football Weekly podcast on Monday, Barry Glendening talked about us. He's the first person to talk about us and said, he's, he's, he's really hard to speak about Sheffield United. He goes, yeah, it is, because you stop. Is that what could be said about them that hasn't been said already? And he said, the biggest compliment I think I can give them, and it sounds incredibly like... Uh, such a throwaway comment, but it's so true. The job well done, Neil done is everybody knows what they're doing, and as a result of that, they're able to do it well to the best of their ability. And he also made the point now, it's quite interesting that despite spending a relatively large amount of money in the summer on players, apart from maybe Lee's Moussa, none of those are the ones who have the impact. People have come again because it's the people who've come and performed again because they understand what's expected of them, and that standard is. Each, this new signers have raised their standard up, and I like the phrase "everyone knows what they're doing." I think it sounds really basic, but I think that's the really yeah. fair. Thing. And obviously, my granddad has not watched all eleven games like we have, but he he can acknowledge that he can see a side that's Which so is really well drilled. You can see mm. they are so well drilled. Just remind me, talking about Fleck. You heard Chris Wilder's interview today. No, he's really. talking about Fleck. So I think it's Andy Gibbons' interview, and he calls out obviously Fleck and Lundstrom and and how good they've been so far. And, and he talks about them both for a little while, but he starts off talking about Fleck. He says, you know, you won't believe it, you'd laugh about it. Three years ago, when we first signed this kid that we took to Marbella on a pre-season tour, that was played, spraying lovely balls all over the pitch, but was blowing after five minutes every session. And now the conditioning coaches have got hold of him, and they've made him that strong runner that can bounce off people the way that he is doing. That wouldn't have happened three years ago, and that's testament to the, to the, to the people behind the scenes at the club. Like we said, the, the fitness of that team is a level beyond anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, Lundstrom, in, in that last minute where he was chasing his hat-trick, and he, he, he's, he's put a full-bore sprint in from, 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 from one box to the other. Yeah. I mean, the motivation in that is quite easy. You're going to get a Premier League hat-trick, but still the fitness to be able Absolutely. to do it is phenomenal. We're going to talk about, about him in a little while as, as a bit of a big up and a well done, but Dan Blades asked a question on Twitter the other day. Uh, who's the unsung hero? for Sheffield United not just now but in the past talking about players but my point was the unsung hero for United at the minute is Matt Preston because yeah. they are that. so fit 
you can see that, that like you say, that work that, that Lundstrom's putting in in the last minute, even Billy Sharp is the fittest he's ever been yeah. by his own admission. They, they look leaner, don't they? It's one of these things like, and again, they say a lot, all our collective dads, most of, some of them drink with us before their own games, but every year, for the last couple of years, my dad's comment has been, oh, Billy loves leader than he's ever looked. And he comes back a year later, <laughs> and he's probably got a point though. Yeah, it's true. He, I, don't, I don't know about lean. He looks, he looks really fit. fit. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and fit is fit is a butcher's dog. He said, but I think it's it was that admission by Basham, wasn't he, in that on a, the the athletic interview where he talks about he had to get a person. Oh, it might have been on the uh, Five Live podcast. Oh, might, yeah, but he got himself a person, and it's all little things like that. And like, Basham was really good again on Saturday. He, and, and McNeil could have caused him problems. Young, tricky, pacey, nothing, absolutely I nothing. Think he had too much to worry about with, um, with Baldock pushing him back, didn't he? I think that's that's why McNeil was a, a bit of a non-entity in the game. Well, it, it and was, I feel proud walking out there. Friend, oh. friend of the pod, Johnny Toyn at half time was walking down the steps of the Copland E crying. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I generally worry what would happen if we ever won anything to Johnny. <laughs> well, as someone said this, so, so picking up on that, on the stats I've seen this week, there's a couple of things, various things on predictions of where we where we might finish. So, Sporting Index do a points prediction by game week. And at the start of the season, they had us finishing on 29 points. So, they had us finishing... Um, Sorry, not 29 points. Okay, 29, rock bottom. No, sorry, hang on. He got us finishing on uh, 33, but we would have been rock bottom with that. At the moment. And that was that was their prediction before Pre-season. the first game. Now, our prediction is 45. Right. So we're 12 up. That would put us, uh, by the end of the season, by their reckoning, in 12th. Level and points with Palace, a couple of points behind Ball. All of which fell into insignificance with the press in there. <laughs> well, give us a press index. I'm, I'm back to give you an update <laughs> on this. So the press index, for those that don't know, was a, a tongue-in-cheek, daft way of working out based on the fact that we were going to go through this season with runs of games where we were getting placed at and not winning games, how likely we were, or how far away we were from the magic 40 points to survive. So we've played 28.9% of games. Um, Assuming that we the 40 points survive relegation is still the target with 40 percent of the way there, which puts us 11.1 ahead on the press. So the, the press index. index is currently plus 11.1. Yes. So put that into context. Put that into context. If you apply that to the three relegated clubs last season, at this time after 11 games last season, Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield were the bottom three. Yeah. Cardiff and Fulham were on minus 16.4. Huddersfield were on minus 14. So we're not doing bad then. And it's, if the it's press that, index is something to go on, well, it's, but let's be honest, it's pretty much pretty much fast, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you can keep your XG and your XA and all this rubbish. Your press index is the future. Is that right? Yeah. And, and it's like so when you look. All you're doing is converting games played and points into percentages to make an unnecessarily complicated calculation of how we're doing. That's what a lot of it is, though. Isn't it? Yeah. Who needs algorithms? Anyway, at current trajectory at one point five. Four or five points per game will be red safe from relegation after 26. 26 games in, so that gives us 12, yeah, 12 games on just part three hits. Early February. <laughs> and if we carry on at current trajectory, we'll get to 55 points, which last season we had us in eight. The season um, before seven, and the season before that eight again. Wow. And 
funnily enough, the other then so to build on that, the other thing that came out was um, from what was the camera the site? It was Smarter Scout. But that was kind of like Smarter Scout. Yeah, What's Smarter Scout. I think oh, it's kind of Smarter Scout. Scout. Yeah, it's not, not Scout. Nothing to do with Cubs, sorry. Oh, this, is that where they've got us finishing third? Uh, no. Or fifth? They've got us finishing fifth. <laughs> Just above. Well, actually, it's, it does percentage likelihood of finishing positions. So, according to this, and if I understand this right, there's something like a, the, the strongest percentage is, 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 is on us finishing fifth at 21.2%. And then there's a 1% chance of us finishing third, 4.7% chance of us finishing fourth. And then it, from 212 it then diminishes. So there's a, a, the worst they've got us is six... Uh, no, they, they've got us finishing potentially 19th or 18th, but it's 0.1% chance of each. Now, yeah. I think, I think as people were saying, if Johnny Tone was crying on Saturday, <laughs> yeah, the press That's... index is saying potentially 7th or 8th on the form we're in. I think what this is doing is probably too heavily extrapolating current results and, yeah. and current I form. I did see that and, and, and analy analytics Twitter went into meltdown about it. So I know exactly why it was wrong. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I do... I, it's just another thing to make a smile in the scheme of things, isn't it? Yeah, and I think rather than what's going to happen, I think it's quite important to focus on what has happened and... That was the comprehensive, um, resounding home victory that we've all said was going to happen, and it happened it, in almost the way we all predicted. You were two 0 weren't you, Phil? Three one. Three one. Three one, and I was two 0 I said it not more, so I'm going to claim that I got it right. What did you say? <laughs> but, but I did actually say during the pod, this game could go one or two ways. We could win three 0 or we could just as easily lose three 0 True. So yeah. basically, me and Phil know everything. What did you say? <laughs> I said two one. I still predicted a win. I'm having it. Okay. I went here, so I definitely said three 0 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Pest Index is very good at predicting results as well as uh, predicting where we're going to finish based on points. Per game. Can, so, I, can I be honest though, when they had that free kick late on and uh, Brady was stepping up to take it, I said he could score here. And I said, I hope he does because that means Phil's right and we'll never hear end of it on the pod next week. three out of three. Well, yeah, it's been it, it was a great win and uh, yeah. long overdue. Absolutely. Long may it continue. back everybody to part two where we look forward to Spurs away um, the other three with me are going down Spurs I've not, oh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I've not got a ticket so if there's any listeners out there with two spare send them my way um, but yeah hand over to you guys to tell you tell everybody how excited you are about going to the new shiny stadium yeah Magnetic pint pots, bring them on. I'm gonna have loads just to check how they work. <laughs> just to check. Just to check. For research purposes. I'm gonna go up to everyone and go, How are you doing? Grab the pint and then put my finger up through the magnets. <laughs> you think that'll work? Yeah. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm being. I turned around to you the other week in a film and we were talking about upcoming games and I said, If you have the opportunity to go to Spurs, you've got to go. It's the game of the season. In terms of. Not necessarily because we're playing the biggest and best team. It's a game of seasons. We're going to the best ground, the most modern ground in world football at the moment. The one that has been all this bells and whistles about. And I personally can't wait to go in there and see what it's all about. 
and it's really, yeah, really I mean, I'm really excited about it. And you know what it's like normally on Alan Picard tour, you'll get the train, but I'm on Alan Picard tours this weekend, and we normally get to the ground quite close to kickoff, but I think we're aiming to get to the ground well before two o'clock this week, just mm. so we can. Uh, we're go going in earlier as well. Go and have a walk around the atrium. I believe, there's, I believe there's actually pubs in the concourse. There is pubs in the concourse, yeah, and I think. Uh, I was going to say friend of the pod, but one of the podders, uh, Paul McDonald, did send a, me- a, a menu out the other day for the different food choices that they've got. He, he was just cutter because the Beavertown uh, beer is at the other end of the ground. No, the brewery it. is. The beer is available in the way end. Oh, so, right, find some neck oil. Neck oil, around. neck oil. You don't need to what could for possibly neck go around. neck oil in the ground. Yeah, gamma ray, it's nearly 6%. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's great. Uh, Paul's really up for it. I'm on the train with Paul. With our couple's rail card, um, he's actually printed off the away supporters guide. So we talked last week about the uh, experience going in West Ham and how over the top it was with the security and stuff. Apparently, this is proper like total recall, but like total recall style. Like <laughs> X-rays were going in. Can you go over here, sir? You've got three boobs. No, I. Uh, I think the thing, the thing for me is, I mean, if I if I was. You are going, it's all going to come together. It's all come together, but if it did, I'm, the thing I'm looking for is just that bank of a home end, because like you say, everyone talks about, and I know it's more standing there, but the wall at, at Dortmund, and it, this is something similar in size and scale, and just just that closeness to the pitch, everything you see about it, you just feel like you're on top of it, even though it's such a big stadium. And Yeah, it, to me, we can moan about these identical new build stadiums lacking something. Spurs seems to be the exception to the rule. Yeah, it's a special, special place, isn't it? You can see the amount. I've been, uh, I worked down in London as it was finishing and, and spent a bit of time around that area and just driving around the place. The scale of it is incredible. It doesn't look like a football stadium in the size of it. It's huge. It's probably, probably the same. It's probably taking over the streets that I got chased around four sides of White Hart Lane back in the mid-90s. But uh, after a United defeat. But yeah, it'd be nice to go there and, you know, we can go in there with some what, confidence. Yeah, going there with a bit of confidence and also going there knowing that it doesn't really matter what happens because a loss isn't going to affect us that much right now at this stage of the season. Absolutely not. No, I mean, like you said, we look at, go back to the press index. You yeah. know, we've got a buffer there and that buffer is for matches like Saturday and a, a point on Saturday is a fantastic and, and return. Let's be honest, there's players going up into the Premier League, there's players that will have all have had in our minds that we're looking forward to seeing this player play and we're looking forward to seeing that player play. I'm really, really pleased that Son had his red card overturned because he's one player I really do like and I'm looking yeah, forward to seeing He's a phenomenal player. player. I mean, I, the, the, we won't need to go off about what happened on Sunday. The only thing that I found really strange about it was almost seemed like there's a slight willingness to put a spin on it that Son was the victim in it all. And that annoyed me by certain elements of the press and stuff. And like the phrase, he's not that sort of player. I know I don't genuinely think there's many thugs in football anymore. I think that generation died like in the nineties. Like that style of football, we generally go, especially at the elite level. There isn't a player, in my opinion, in the top who's played at the top of the Premier League who's a thug who go around and hitting people. And we don't need to go on about that. And like you say, Phil, phenomenal player. He scored the first goal in that stadium. That was going to be one of the quiz questions actually. That's coming up later, so that isn't one of them. But um, yeah, Sun's fantastic. And then um, I remember seeing Harry Kane in the Cup game uh, when we played him a few years ago, and he's just 
he is, I don't know what I said, but Kane's a phenomenal player. Kane and Ericsson in that particular game, I mean, uh, the free kick was special, but that finish for his second goal was just, was second, it was the second goal, yeah. wasn't it, the winner, that he kind of side-footed across the, across the goal into the far corner. Brilliant. But let, let, let's not yeah. watch lyrical too much about Spurs. Should, yeah, we're going to watch United. Shouldn't we be going into this as favourites with our undefeated well, away record? And we're above the them in the league, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I say, goal I say entirely in jest. <laughs> um, well, Spurs' team last night, um, however well we're doing, doesn't sh- strike the fear, might be a bit strong, but Son, Ali and uh, Lo Celso playing off of Kane, all good players, Lo Celso's not really had a sniff yet. He came in with a really big reputation. He could he could be a potential match winner if he plays, and then in Dombele and Sissoko, Sissoko on his days frightening. There's, there's some thought that day doesn't come that often, but I think the joy will come down the wings against Foyth and uh, Danny Rose. However, in, interestingly, in my little picture, I think Ryan Sessegnon starts. I was starts, just about to say that Sessegnon uh, come on a sub last two games. I think he will start. Yeah, uh, and we all know what he can do to us. Hell of a player, isn't he? Um, but yeah. Uh, you see, I mean, as well, uh, Spurs Spurs defensively can be got to... I was just about to say the same thing, Ian. They're good going forward. They, well, they're a good side, whichever way you look yeah. at it. But they get at a ball, if that's a word. Yeah. I think that we can get... If we can get uh, turn them round, I think we can score. And I think we will score on Saturday as well. Yeah, I don't know. We'll go to predictions a bit, but my, my gut feeling is we'll, we'll, get a, we'll get one on Saturday. And what, what that means in terms of result comes back to... How resolute our defence are, and, yeah. and like we said, it well, touched on earlier. You know, Egan, Basham, O'Connell are like some immovable force. There was the, there was, yeah, analytics to look at it from a three, football three six five. This morning, so we had the kind of passionate view from Daniel Story last week on there, and this morning was a bit more of a analytical view of it. But making the point that you know, ultimately, we, we probably Henderson probably does face probably more shots than other keepers do. But that shouldn't take away from what our the work three do. central defenders do and the number of headers O'Connell and Egan in particular make. There's um, Wilders alluded to there being a couple of players, and uh, I don't know whether he used the word struggling, but they've only started training today, I think he said, yeah. uh, of the players from last week. So it'd be interesting to see if, if it's the same starting eleven or if there's anybody struggling. Obviously, Egan came off with an illness last week, didn't he? I think he'd be a massive miss if he missed out. Obviously, he's been a rock, hasn't he, this season? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Moose looked like he was carrying his leg a bit as he walked around at the end. But it's just to know. It's just, I think it's just the way he walked. He, he did pull the out player. in a shot, block shot, didn't he? Yeah. Not long before he came off. But you've got to hope that just there's some niggles and that's about it, really. My worry with Spurs is that they're a far better team than they've been playing this season. And they're, they're a bit of a wounded animal. Mm. My only hope is the wounded animal responded last night. Yeah, I just, I'd, eventually they're going to click and they're going to climb up the table. And whether that happens Saturday or after Saturday, it will happen eventually. Yeah, and we've just got to hope that we're still playing them in that sort of early season. I think it's. I think yeah, hundred percent, Luke. And I think on Saturday it'll be that. I think the longer the game goes on, the more chance United have of getting something from it. And I think that is partly due to the fact it's still a new ground. And I don't. There's not been many reports of it. People been just talking about how good it is, but in terms of atmosphere and all this like the gloss came like they didn't go on like a major winning run when they got the ground did they lose like the fourth game or third or fourth game there and they played some relative minnows I know they had a big they lost the first game didn't they they lose the first game there 
Or am I making that up? I'm sure they won. And that one son scored. Yeah. What I'm trying to make, it's like, it's not a fortress. And I think there's that sort of, maybe a little bit of that uncertainty that's still, that you, you, you associate with your Arsenal ground now. I know it is still by Hart Lane, but... And I know, I know what you mean about um, the longer the game goes on, the more we've got a chance. But I think we need to start fast. I think we need to turn them around quickly. That was, that was the difference on Saturday. Yeah. We came out of the blocks and put them on the back foot. Yeah. You know, again, we said last week, you know, Burnley could come out there. If we didn't, there was that match where we had to just come out and really go at somebody who, who we were capable of going at. Do it once. Let's not fear Tottenham in that respect. Let's get out, get out after them. If we concede doing that, then there'll be a change of approach, I'm sure. But why not just go at them? Put them on the back foot. Their confidence is up and they're up and down. And that's why I say I think we've got to start fast because I think if we start fast and manage to get something early, there's a good chance, like John's just alluded to about the crowd there, I think they could start getting nervy and twitchy and frustrated quite early on. Absolutely. I mean, you can have a great stadium, you can have 60,000 fans in it, but it doesn't stop that nervousness and twitchiness. When How much are going to be football tourism on Saturday as well? You can buy tickets to that ground on Ticketmaster. I'm sure there's other grounds you can in the Premier League as well, but if I have yeah. just never heard that before. Any, uh, mm, football it's, ground. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good experience. I think Spurs, like Luke said, are wounded animal. The stadium might come into it a bit, but United have to be positive. Um and that there's no us, reason we won't be. There's no uh, reason we and won't that leads us quite nicely. How do we think we're gonna do really hand on arm? I'll go. I think we'll draw one on. I'll take that. Uh, I've got a feeling this will be a loss. I think we'll score. I think it'll be 3-1, 4-2, something like that. And I hope you're wrong this week. <laughs> I'm going for a stifle burn, but not quite. Get a goal, nil-nil. Again, I'll take that. I personally think we're going to lose 2-3 you now. Just think, with the players they've got, if he clicks, it'll, it'll just be too good for us, too quick, too. I think. I'm, actually, last... I'm more bothered about Son playing from that click point of view at the minute than Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd Son agree with that. Son's a player who could actually do as more damage than Kane in concrete. I think I, I'm, I'm not suggesting for one second where we're at is is lucky and it's going to run out at any point, but I do think we're going to get a, a beating at some and, point. And that's why I say a step too far. I just think talked about in midfield, we would is where we would win the game against Burnley. I think it's where we lose the game on Saturday. And Dombele, Dombele yeah. uh, Soko, if he has a decent game. Ali's got a few goals. He is the epitome of a wounded animal. He, had a, he came out fighting in his post-match interview saying some of the criticism I've had is absolutely ridiculous. Who was that? And I think he's completely right. I know he's been doing silly things like that. footage that came out of it, messing around with prostitute and all. Well, if she was a prostitute. Uh, not his girlfriend, not video and all this sort of stuff that's come out. Um, but the guy has scored a lot of goals and played a lot of football for your man. He's still going to be a very good Premier League player. I say how he probably needs to move to freshen him up. It's the danger of a media that build these young players up, give them, give them that status, and then want to cut them down again. You know, he, he's fundamentally a good player. You know, he had a bad spell. Um, Let's be honest, though, his bad spell is still, still pretty bloody. Oh no, yeah, exactly. But what I mean is. It, the others were making claims for placing the England squad for that. Yeah, period. he's lost his place. Yeah. He's not even so. Squad, you know, so. it's um, he, you know the the feeling was he might have been back in today's squad. Um, you know, he's, he's got points for yeah. So what, England squad. Yeah, I'm going to say while we're talking about the England squad. So, I mean, we've probably come at it at different angles. 
Luke is you're know, very very strong about the statistical side of why Lundstrom should be in. I'm not particularly. I just think there is a shout for Lundstrom. Uh, yeah, based it, on a uh, based which on evidence. Which in itself sounds ludicrous. And we we we, we kind of did this last time. I was on the pod. Yeah. And it was even more ludicrous then. But now it's kind of based. You mean what you're evidence. saying is Lord Lundstrom should be in the English squad? I think he's got a claim to be on the basis of comparing him like for like over this season with the people that are in there with Harry Winks, Jordan Henderson, Declan Rice. There's a, yeah, there's a claim when you when you sort of go through the stats and look at them side by side in any kind of available metric. If you want to chuck one at me, I will tell you where he stands against them. So how about let's go for in the way England need to play. So England are going to have a lot of the ball in these games. We need to complete passes. Passing. Um, more assists than all the other three. More key passes than all the other three. Um, only Harry Winks has a higher average passes per game percentage. Okay, you might argue then that one of those, that the person in that role might have to break up the play a little bit because there'll be more, because of the way we play with the front three for England, that might be the one who has to do the, some of the group work. Defensive stats. Um, Declan Rice comes out above him on tackles per game and interceptions per game. Um, but clearances, <coughs> blocks, and tackles against Harry Winks and Jordan Henderson is above them both. It stands up. I mean, and, and, and come back to the point. South Wales <coughs> he picks players based on four. And offensively, so goals, he's obviously got three to all there. Norm Henderson's got one. He's got assists higher than the others. Um, key passes per game more. Let's be honest, he should be on one assist. He should be on five. Yeah, because McGoldrick's spurned a couple yeah, there. Four, I think. McGoldrick's spurned four. So, so, all I'm saying is there is a case for John Hunston for England. Legitimate I was, case. And I, I was I'm merely getting that, that out because <laughs> about two games into the season, I put a a jokey tweet out, Lundstrom for England campaign starts here, and now I feel I've got to ride it. Well, I'm not sure whether the two games in it might have been. I think our Sam said it at half time in the Palace game, was it? So it yeah. might have been about the same time. The thing time. is, though, you can throw shit, some mistakes, don't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sam, we, we, we'd be nowhere without Sam. He set. has also said Lee Smith should get an England call at some point. Soon. Well, I looked at this earlier. He's got Senegalese father. Really? Yeah, he's part of Senegalese. Yeah, he's got claims to play for Senegal as well. Have another Patrick Super winning African Nations. Yeah, for could do, yeah. But, um, well, uh, another for, me, for, for me, the player that I think is unfortunate. Um, actually, I'm not too hard. I think Henderson should be in there yeah. as the third choice keeper. And you can argue, does it do him any harm at this stage not to be? I just think if he's going to be there, which he should be next summer, he needs to be in and around the squad now. Um, Henderson not getting a call wrong for me. I just. It, I accept your point about Lundstrom should on form because South gets talked about forms the key for him. I do understand why players in right. his position, yeah. why why Lundstrom why he hasn't. Those, yeah. Henderson should be getting in above Heaton and above Pope. And I know we're talking about some central defenders played on different other sides of the defence as such, but there are there are defenders called up where you think how and when will Jack O'Connell get recognised? So I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to refer to what I know Dan would say if he was here, and he, he firmly believes O'Connell's going to struggle getting an England call-up because of the way that we play. 
which the I fact think. that we play three at the back and the fact that he plays so dynamically going forward, England don't do that. And we've said before, haven't we, that if England, if Southgate flicked it back to a back three at some point, well, the most successful England game. side of our lifetime play like that, like yeah. he did less than two years ago. That's the bit I don't understand. And who played left? Was it Harry Maguire? Maguire played, Maguire played side, at the left, Stones in the middle, Walker the right, yeah. Trippier, and um, obviously. I mean, but we're Actually, young that left way, with Joel and Alexander Arnold in many ways, and you could you could really you know. Well, I I don't watch enough La Liga. Apparently, Trippi has been excellent as well yeah. in Spain. Like, it's apparently been truly. Like, I'm not saying he's better than Trent, but Trent, yeah. there's a reason Walker's not in, and he's not playing City, obviously. Yeah, he might he's be the keeper. I think legitimately, there's four players for United at the moment that could get England calls. Uh, and the outsider out of those four, Baldock. Baldock's a long way behind. Long way. Right. Yeah. Um, as much as I like George Baldock, there are too many. So I don't think it's right long before he goes down the Greek route. I think he'll get a Greek call up before too long. They've not got any. I, I think they're way down in qualifying. Their their quality is like not saying this is a means he gets an easy. What I mean is they've, they've clearly got some issues with the quality of players coming through in that Greek squad. So, you know. There's a good opportunity for him there yeah, if he chooses to, play to play international football. To play international football, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think, like you say, there is the three. I think one thing that's annoyed me today is there's been quite a bit of like hyperbole from United fans about it. And I think to a point, the Henderson one is the only one that there should really be any legitimate sort of like grievance about. The others, the other two, um, obviously Jack and Lundstrom, yeah, there is. You could you could put an argument for of course you can. But if you look generally, people like Grealish not getting in. Yeah. Um, and then but then people point to Oxlade Chamberlain now. What what the thing with this England squad and, and international football generally, although there's this argument of players in four, it needs to be a balance of their long term aim. Now if Oxlade Chamberlain carries on as he has in the last month, by next summer, he'll be England's most important player. Uh, he's a brilliant player, actually. And, and he has to be somebody who would be in the squad every single time. Now, I think when you get to summer, someone out of Grealish and Madison will miss out. Yeah. And if England don't win the Euros, that'll be the player that people point Grealish, to that should have been involved. Grealish has been playing on the left-hand side of the field. Mm. He's not been playing in that number eight role, he's been playing left. And there's, I think there's a lot of keyboard warriors. I hope they won't listen to this. A friend of mine, Anthony, today, said, oh, really should be single-handedly winning Villa games. Where's Villa on the table? He, he's not been doing that. It's just this perceived thing that he's got an English player, he's got a few tricks, on match of the day, he looks all right. He's not been dragging John Villa over. John McGinn's a more important player to Villa. And he's been Scottish. So like, you know, I, think, I think Grealish's biggest problem for not getting in this England team is there are players that are equivalent to him that are better than him. Yeah, and same, the, same with George Bulldog. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it is. Yeah, you'd, yeah. You'd, you'd always have Madison and, and, and Barnes and people like that. And in, if he's playing left-hand side, I'd rather have Hudson Godoy or, yeah. or... I think as well, and this is what the part we're trying to make about this, the long-term plan, and although Hudson Godoy's not been involved as much this season, England going forward at, at next summer is almost like perfectly balanced. Though. Kane up top, on the left-hand side, you have Sterling coming in. On the right, maybe somebody like Ox or play him as a two with however you want to do it. But the 
ability to bring Sancho and Hudson and Doy on yeah, to change yeah. a game and terrify any team in the world. And I think you need to have that balance between that and the lads in form. Because what Stones for me is criminally underrated. And although he makes mistakes, persevere with him because the best we've been was a back foot three that had Stones and Maguire playing together. So for me, play them together. And keep the, point, doing the it. point you're making, I completely agree with, but that adds even more weight to the reason for Henderson should have a call up. Oh, absolutely. For the, for the future, as opposed to 30 odd And that's why I'm, and that's what I was saying at the start when the only one that we should, I think we could legitimately think, like, you, there's so many United Twitter accounts now saying, this means that, oh, like, you know, uh, Jules won, Jack O'Connell's done this. It's sort of like, yes, he has, but at the same time, like, we know that he's, good, he's not going to misplace Maguire, not going to uh, dislodge Maguire on the left-hand side of that defence. Mings had a good debut. Imagine Tyrone Mings, who's racially abused, who's not put a foot wrong with yeah, Pegasus. He's, blo- he's not called up to the next yeah. squad. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And I think we just need to, like, there needs to be a dose of realism in that as much as we're passionate and we, we look, yeah, we've got, the players have got the records and Luke's pulled the stats to, to back it up his comparison. Yeah, I, I, I do need to sort of qualify that, but he's slightly Tommy. Oh, no, but I mean, but, it, but it's true, but it's true. That we, you know, we make a case. You know, the, the Lundstrom quote, I'm going off piece a little bit here, and, and I'm, I'm going to credit Blades Pod for this because they asked the question the other day and I just think it's brilliant. Is John Lundstrom our most famous player ever? <laughs> and yeah, probably not. And, and do you know what? He's a household name because this well, week he's got, right. he's got a FIFA Team of the Week card, which is the first United player to get it in the Premier League this season. He's gone up, he's, he's rating on FIFA for those of you who play, was I think it, how many? He's gone up nine? It's gone up nine for one When Grealish has got an informed card, it only went up six. So that nine jump is incredible. Um, is that, he's in. In the most selected player in fantasy it's football? like 40% of the fantasy football. Um, I described him as the Ian Marshall of this generation. For those <laughs> of you, a few years ago, Ian Marshall was classed as a defender, but was playing up front for either Oldham or Ipswich, I can't remember which one at a time, yeah, the Ipswich, and uh, scoring goals. So he was your trump card, just like Lundstrom is now. Let, let's be right, our, our most famous ever player, when we're talking about players that play for us at the time, Ryan Dean should be, because he's got the first ever goal in the Premier League. But the Premier League is just a different it's beast a now. It's a different animal. And worldwide, John Lundstrom, they're calling him Lord Lundstrom. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. I said, because like you say, Brian Dean should be that in many ways. But it's like you say, it's the scale of the coverage. It's the it's the, the FIFA, it's the, you know, the Xbox, so far, the yeah. PS4 games, it's the it's the podcast, it's the way media works. We're, we're all on Twitter, I don't know about yourself, but I've had loads of, in the last three months, people from all over the world Start following me on Twitter. Just you're massive swinging dick, Phil. That's why. I'm private, so I don't get crashing into Phil's DMs. <laughs> I don't get as much of that because I'm private. But yeah, and because it's interesting, is and talked about that. Like Barry Glendening was talking about United on the Guardian podcast, and part of it, obviously, they talked about Lundstrom. One of the other, I think it was John Ashdown said, not John Ashdown, he's a player. There's another one, Jonathan Wilson, I think said. Yeah, he's a bit of a fact. For some reason, they decided he was a defender at the start of the season, and he's he's gone on to to get loads and loads and loads of points for people. So he's he's yeah. a little bit of a hero. Even if he was a midfielder, he'd still be scoring pretty bloody highly in comparison oh, exactly. to the others. Well, yeah. five clean sheets as well, you know. which is further evidence that Dino's in with the shout. But the thing but, is with Dino, I think 
we all know how good he is. A lot of people think that we probably over... When I say a lot of people, I mean Wednesday fans probably think that we overrate that. But I think the proof will be in the pudding next summer. Yeah, and I think for now, let's be honest, if we're going to put a bid in in January, let's keep him out of the England uh, setup for a little bit. Yeah, you know, manage manage the fee expectations at Man U a little bit. And actually, let's not worry about our individuals getting called up for extra games at the minute. You know, having some focus on us, the start we've got, and kicking on from there, I don't think is a bad thing at all. And to really refocus that um, section, I can't wait to get down to London and see United playing in that lovely big new ground on Sunday. So having spoke about uh, visiting Spurs, I thought I'd dig out the old uh, history books and come up with this week's quiz. So uh, after much deliberation, the boys have all had a go at this week. It's been sent out on Twitter. So if you've got your pens, would you like to uh, like to go through it? So question one, <clears throat> with a nice little picture of Euro Trashers Antoine de Quan. Uh, <laughs> the what? He was well, my fa- favourite Frenchman growing up. Uh, our last league, it, <laughs> our last away league with Spurs, so let's take to the capital and our first away trip of the Premier League season on the 22nd of August 2006. On an unsuccessful Tuesday night, which Frenchman started the game for United. So, Mr. Rams, you've got the honours. I put Lillian, Lillian Nellis in the Premier League. I say that's where I'm going to be down because I'm sure he got he by was, them. He was part of the team that got us promoted in, but yeah. I. I regret to inform you that's incorrect. Oh, and, and that's because he was the only Frenchman of that era I could think of off the top of my head. Well, I oh, think we had two Frenchmen I've in that team. I've gone for Christian Nardé. You see, this was my... I'm afraid, Luke, you're also wrong. That was my little uh, trip up on the first question. So, I mean, Nardé did play so, the So, I don't think Nardé started playing until probably about three months later. <laughs> I, I, I know it is now. I know it it's is. David Semet. Yeah. Mm. I suddenly remembered my Panini yes. sticker book from that season. David Somiel. Somebody else. Uh, yeah. Another classic defender signing by Neil Warnock. I mean, obviously, our defenders are no, terrible. Another bang average defender. <laughs> <laughs> David Samay. He was fucking wank. Right. <laughs> next up. Friend of the pot. So, friend of the pot, David Samay. <laughs> Which legendary nomadic striker? So, my interpretation of the word nomadic on football language, uh, football manager language, is like a, a striker who is bags of ability, but wouldn't put in his attributes, work rate, teamwork, things like that. And he made his debut in that game for Spurs. Quite a bit of a legendary player. Who have you gone with, Ian? I'll be honest, I had no idea I'd put Chris Armstrong, but I think it's way too, uh, too late. late for him. I think he'd be retired a while then. I had no idea, but based on date only, I thought possibly Defoe. Uh, so, mine's a complete guess, and I think it's way too early to be him. I've gone for Adebayor. Uh, I'm afraid it's uh, Berbatov. That was when he made it his debut season. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the Bulgarian. The languid Dimitar Berbatov. What a footballer, by the way. But my interpretation of Maddick, I think, is right in that. Uh, he's not. He, he's he's very much had time to burn, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be pressing from the front. I know no. what you mean. It's fine. <laughs> 
Someone will get it. I don't know why I'm apologising. Paul McDonald, friend of the pod, got it first time. We don't know the meaning of nomadic either. It's <laughs> 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 on the curriculum in Chesterfield. Much like his knowledge of clown. Uh, right. Question three then. Our final visit to the old White Hart Lane was another evening game in the League Cup semi-final on the 21st of January 2015. Starting for United were a number of players with different nationalities. Who was the only non-European outfield starter for United? Now, we weren't inundated with foreign imports at this stage, um, but who do we think it was, Luke? You can go first. Blank. Blank. Okay. I know Phil's got it right, so I'm looking over at you here. And I think I've got it wrong, so again, I've gone too early with this, but non-European, I put David Edgar. I think it was seen after. Edgar was Adkins' as a linchpin at the centre of that defence. So I've gone for Londoner, Jamal Campbell-Rice. But nationality, Jamaican. Jamaican. Oh, good God. Would you go on holiday you missus, Jamaica? <laughs> it's one of our own, of course. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. This quiz is going well for me. I've got a really good joke in a bit about George Michael. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. Right, okay. All right, yeah. Moving on. In the return fixture at the lane, seven days later, United pressed for a winner making three substitutions, two in attack and one in midfield. Shea Adams took the headlines with his brace and the very physical Louis Reed joined them in midfield. But which striker also came on an attempt by manager Nigel Clough then to change the course of the game? Who else did Cloughy put on to change the course of the game? I think you're being sarcastic with change the course of the game. And, I'm, and again, I'm probably not getting my timings right here, but I put Ironside. Uh, again, guest based on dates and managers only at Higdon. I've gone Higdon as well. And the answer is Higdon. the big man himself, Michael. I've had a full English breakfast in the car on the way to training, <laughs> pie at lunch, fish and chips on the way I, out. I still can't quite believe he started that season our captain. Do you remember? I, well, we got oh, yeah. excited. Yeah, it's one, it's one of those players who you see the YouTube clip of some yeah, volley we in, in Holland, Holland or something. Yeah, yeah, scoring actually, penalties in Holland. Yeah, the epitome of like panic guy, weren't you? Yeah. We've gone all summer without without signing a single striker. Like, signed him in the last like, week. Yeah. Signed him in the last week and he started first game as captain. Meanwhile, Luke Freeman that day uh, was ripping it up for Bristol, if you remember, completely tall as a new one. Yeah, yeah I can remember actually. Uh, we should have. Chops has already responded on Twitter and he's got most, he's got more than all of you. He's around. Well, he's like Rain Man though, isn't he? He is. Right. Question five. American legend Brad Friedel was on the bench for Spurs in both games. With the recent injury to Hugo Elise, Paulo Gazaniga has stepped in. On the subject of backup keepers, who was United's across both semi finals? I've gone. Um... Previous Hall of Fame nominee and entrant, George Long. I'm afraid you're not right with that one. Oh. Means I'm wrong as well, then. Means I'm wrong, I'll be honest. I'm going to change it now. <laughs> uh, it was Ian Turner. Like, uh, it was the backup keeper at that stage. Ian Turner? Exposed. Yeah, Everton. Everton. Sorry, Everton. Yeah, wasn't he? Not he surprised. only played, I, I didn't check, but he, he must have played a couple of times. I seem to remember him playing because he was obviously at that time we would have had Johnson's paid trophies and things, so he must have played a game too. I can't remember him playing. Tall one there, like, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was Ian Turner. Christ. And I did, what was interesting about, well, not that interesting, but when I was looking at that, I didn't think Friedel had stayed at Spurs that late because he must be getting up 
Like, he looked pretty ancient when he was playing, but like, obviously that's four years, five years ago, and well, he's not yeah. that long retired, is he? He played into his forties, didn't he? Well, into his forties, yeah. yeah, I would say probably into his, at least mid forties, if not late forties. So yeah, but Brad Friedel was on the bench for them, and then obviously. Good question that. I don't think many will get that right now. On the 5th of March 1994 then, a bit before my time, United visited London and earned a 2-2 draw with Spurs in a real end-to-end second half goal. I think United scored, Spurs scored, Spurs scored, United scored, or something like that. It was it, a, a real second half classic. Uh, <laughs> Spurs, according to my quiz, named 11 outfield players. They didn't they named 10. Uh, 11, they named 11 players, but 10 of them were English. There was only one Johnny Foreigner, and I'd like you to name him. No, I've got a pure guess. Anybody got an idea? I've got a guess as well. I've, got, I've got Klinsman, but I've I got too early. Yeah, I see a guess. Uh, he, he wasn't, he was from Israel. If I, let's see if you can get it with that clue. Nida? No, 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 no. Israel. 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 Uh, oh, it was uh, Ronnie Rosenthal. Well done. You can't, have the, play for Spurs. you can't have the point, but yeah, that is the answer, yeah. Ronnie Rosenthal. I'm desperate, to be honest. Nida, what am I on? <laughs> Nido is still in nappies, I think. I'll be honest, I was doing Western Europe. I wasn't even thinking about uh, the uh, Right, here we are. Question seven. Obviously, clear Spurs connection coming up. When Georgie, uh, Georgie, Georgie legend, the Spurs hero, Paul Gascoigne, lent his hand in supporting the old Bill with capturing armed fugitive Raul Moe, he went to find him with a fishing rod, a bucket of chicken, and specifically, what else? Four cans of water. Ian's gone four cans of lager. Phil? Uh, got it wrong. I've got a loaf of bread. <laughs> I think I know this because it happened on my wedding day. Well, <laughs> no, it was. No, I know. no, and I know it happened on my wedding day because. Well, Gascoigne turned up with a fishing rod. <laughs> <laughs> it was the day Raul Moat was. All right. At large. At large, yeah, when he was, was holed up somewhere, weren't he? It was on the front page of the paper, and I know it because for our paper anniversary, I bought Diana Bound. Newspaper from our wedding day. Anyway, I think it was a bottle of whiskey. There may be whiskey involved, but Ian was closest. He was actually three cans of lager. Oh. And the reason it sticks in my memory is I can imagine he's gone in the shop. Drunk one of them. And had one. <laughs> can I have a point? And it's and it just to me, it's sort of like, it was like Max sort of. It was like Brass Eye doing a like rampaging murderer, like, and now. We've got Paul Gascoigne, it was in an attempt to go and get him, taking him some KFC, his favourite meal, fishing rod, his salve, and three cans of lager. Paul. I'd love to know. I, you know. <laughs> you imagine, I can only imagine it was like special brew. <laughs> so yeah, no we've got that. Three, three cans of lager. Um, the tiebreaker, which I think is quite a good question. Well, hang on, we need to know what scores are. Yeah, what's the score? If I can claim a point for that, I'm having one. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll give you one for lager. I've got, I've got one. Out of seven. I've got three. I'm glad that Phil's one again. So Phil, he has, but... I'm going to say double points if you get this right. Okay. Double right. points. Okay. You get this bang on. I've still won. Or is it time? When you get on the time break? <laughs> how many points more than United did Tottenham get? Oh, that's terrible English. How many points more than United did Tottenham get than United? Oh my word, I'm a teacher. Last time they competed in the same division, next to a fantastic picture of Sol Campbell posing next to a banister in a very fetching brown leather jacket. It's a man at CNA. 
It's from the Guardian that uh, yeah. apparently he was saying, "I'll only stop talking when things start changing." He's uh, looking very, very contemplative in the picture. I wanted to put the one of him where he's modelling naked on, but then I didn't want to print that at work and somebody go, oh, what you got there, John? <laughs> so, anyway. John's a teacher, like he's just said. How many points between United who, and Tottenham? United in 18th and Tottenham in 15th. So we got, we got 38. So I've gone mid-50s, I've got 26 points. I've gone mid-60s. I think fourth would have put you about... Sixty points, so I'm at twenty. I've done twenty-four. Um, the nearest two, Luke and Ian, at twenty-two points. Fourth, you were sixty on fourth, I'd like say. Wow. Uh, and obviously, earlier in one of the stats, somebody was saying about um, how however many points to get a sixth or whatever shows how. Even in this short period of time, that top end of that league has just... Yeah, the gap's just got bigger and bigger, hasn't it? Yeah, in more that. ways than one. But yeah, uh, some hard answers there, but like we've not played Spurs that much in recent memory to get many more questions. Oh, I, see, I was, I was going to name you the 11 who played against the 6-0 win, but you know, that's, all these things I've stored up. <laughs> Been researching the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, did come in, it did come in the pub tonight and say, yeah. Oh, how's your quiz looking, John? Oh, I've gone back a little bit too far in my research. <laughs> <laughs> Not going on who wants to be a millionaire. But anyway, I'm glad I don't you know. With questions like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, we might like, do. I'm glad you enjoy it, chaps. Anyway, it's good, good work, John. Yeah, cheers, John. Welcome back to the uh, final part of this week's Four Blades in a Pub. And uh, as ever, we're going to end with the Hall of Fame. Um, obviously, last week, for those of you who listened, um, my nomination of Mel Rees got a free pass into the Hall of Fame. Right, sir. And despite John's claims, I'm having a point for that. <laughs> <laughs> but the overall winner of the vote on Twitter uh, was John's nomination. I still think it's a bit rude. I understand his reasoning for it and the context of the. I, the how is it Route One? Hang on a second. So I got accused of being Route One, and since then, Ender Stevens has won one. Yeah. And Bramble Lane's won one. And I was like, I was going to say, I thought. I'm back, I've been, my, I've been, I'm back with my classy brand of football nominating Ollie McBurney's socks. So. <laughs> you know, I I, 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 mean, I, I left, so I only heard the rest of it when I listened back. Um, but anyway, no. So John, John's reasoning. Yeah. Like, well, fuck off, stop <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the, well, that's the, what I wanted to say, but I thought I'd play along. But the fact the fact we've got a ground like Bramble Lane when we visit in these glorified, sanitized bowls is I think something we could all be pleased about. The Great fact is the three from last week that were put to the vote, I can't even remember what mine was and I can't remember what Dan's was. So it tells you Bramble Lane probably <laughs> the right. Um, yeah. So yeah, so congratulations, John. It is the well, I won the first week and yeah. What was that? Nuddy's gloves. People in those gloves, and it's taken. Is today the fifteenth podcast? Yeah, I think it's yeah. fifteen. Yeah. Um, so thirteen. Unlucky for some, but then we're back with a vengeance. So obviously, I have to start again. Yeah. I think need, we'll, I think I'm going to make a declaration now. Um, we're going to ban the phrase "route one." You can nominate what you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I think we'll find Danny on, started it. <laughs> Um, Hang on, he's going for John Lundstrom and he's going to have to. <laughs> that's why he's saying. Well, I'm not allowed. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, there. 
My nomination is uh, something United related, and we were talking about it just before we start recording this. This week, Ian, uh, you wrote for them, I wrote for them, you've been nominated for uh, what's the, the, the Football Supporters, what was the Football Supporters Federation, I think it's the Football Supporters Association Awards. I was yeah. lucky enough to be shortlisted for Blogger of the Year many moons ago, but it's a lot more glitzy affair now with players, managers there, and, so. And well, well done to them, Blaze up for fanzine. Yeah, the and I'm nominating the Denboids fanzine. Gives me immense enjoyment. Uh, we've just submitted a piece um, all about us uh, and and why we decided to do this and stuff. And I just feel like the way that they're the stuff. There's so many great things being done on the pitch at United, off the pitch at United, but the fan stuff that's been being produced is superb. And I just feel like with that nomination, it feels. For a national award, I'd like to nominate him to go into our Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a great nomination. Yeah. It's great. such a good time to be a blade at the minute. Like you say, not only what's going on on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Yeah. I, I like to think people enjoy what we do. I love listening to Blades Pod. You've got their Blades to read. You've got Shoreham Street is magnifique. Stuff that they make. Luke, your artwork that you do. It's, there's so much going on. It's a fantastic time to be a United fan. It really is. And like you say, it's, I think we've touched it before. I've written, you contributed to Den Blades. I think we, that's what they do well. Yeah, they, we, they we've all contributed, but I think you guys could both do something as well, written-wise, because you've done it for the books and things. So. I've written in, uh, uh, written oh, in the yeah. promotion thing, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what they do well, and I think that's, that's part of the success, is it just provides a, a platform for other people to do whatever they want to do. They do it so well as well, don't yeah. they, I think? It's got I, that, I, can it's remember, cool. yeah. I know that sounds really like Not sad. Cool. It sounds really uncomfortable. It's really, just cool. It's it, got that Mundial feel to yeah. it. That, and the physical copies are, are just really nice, especially yeah. the yearbooks. I just, and the artwork, the, the, the everything down from that, the stickers are great. And it's by new Mac, so I can just glue the back of it with them. I wanted um, to go back to school and get a pencil case just so I could put my stickers on it. <laughs> I feel a bit bad at 44 years old walking into work with it on there. I'm back in my work laptop. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll get away with it. But, Overlapping yeah. centre halves in operation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the bet, uh, Champions of the League one, you'll never sing that. It's a fantastic sticker. Um, <laughs> I think, like you say, Philly, it, it it's, it's just such a great time to be a blade. And in the article that you'll be able to read and we submitted, one of the things I said, the best thing about this podcast is getting to know you lot over this like last four years. Lucky enough to call your friends and the fact we can do something like this and I'm sure that's how they feel about enjoying the football on the pitch but um, also what that means for the surging interest in United should we say but um, yeah Dan Blades is my nomination. Fair is good shout I like that it's really good. Do you want the next Phil? Can do I'm, I'm going for a goal a okay. particular goal I mean for me it's possibly my favourite United goal and maybe a lot of others as well. A volley in front of the Bramall Lane end. It's going to go down in history. I think it's one of two then. Okay. Well, it's the like, Jags one, isn't it? It's, it's not. not. It's not. It's, I, reckon, I reckon it's against it's your against, it's, No, it's not. Oh. It's against Nottingham Forest. Gareth yeah, I think it was Gareth Taylor. Great with a, oh, with yeah. a volley from the edge of the 18-yard box that I've never seen one like it since. It was just... You know, when you're taught how to volley as a child and they say get your, your head over, your knee over the ball and you, you kind of, how you strike, it, it was just a perfect goal. And there is footage of it, you can get it on uh, on the season review from the season he scored it, but it's really underplayed and you, it's really quick how they show it, they don't really show it back. But it's one goal that's stuck in my mind from being, uh, I don't know how old I was, 
like, that a season like the fuel soft as well, indeed. Yes. So we had two good strikers. And we had Walker and, as well. Andy Walker, so we had a real plethora of strikers. Yeah. Yeah. I know which one you took. Yeah, Gareth Taylor was on his way out. And I, I'm not sure what... It, it might have been as a, on the back of Dean and, and, and Fjordsoff going or something like that, but United fans all of a sudden loved him again and, and he stayed a little bit longer before he eventually did end up going to Man City, I think, from United. But that goal, he was all about... Um, his heading ability and his, and his strength and things like that but to score a goal like that that he did was just incredible if you get a chance to watch it back I'll, I'll try and figure out what season it was and uh, we'll put it on I the, reckon we'll it, post it, it was the thing is the um, I think it was 97 the Wards one that had the black trim where yes Mars, like, the Marcelo, Marcelo kit. kit I'd call it where we beat Coventry in the Cup and all that earlier that season and I remember it because it was from a brilliant time of, and we don't get as much of this, and this is an area of United fandom that needs to come back, of selling shite on the street corners <laughs> to do with players. And my dad had this awful polo shirt, black polo shirt, said Sheffield United, number nine on the back, with Taylor written in the nine really small. When he scored, bloke behind us would be slagging him off because he obviously timed Dean Fjord off than that. My dad dropped his jacket and did some like wick, little wiggle and told his blow to shut the fuck up. I was like, <laughs> do you know? Steve? Do you know you talk about like that was the kind of day gone era of, of shit sold on the on the corner yeah. of the cop and stuff like that. There was two United nights with Sheffield United Burnley half and half scarves at the cop on Saturday. Yes. Should Bannon. be set on fire. Find them, Bannon. I actually saw a picture of them though. There was a picture on Twitter of them selling scarves. And it was Burnley, Sheffield United. So, <laughs> so we were away, were we? We were away, apparently. I mean, oh, they kept the, the, the playoff time. final. Fred <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. Did, did oh. you hear that fans singing, uh, we saw you crying when Wade Elliott scored? I did, yeah. Yeah, that lasted long, didn't it? <laughs> I didn't so, like that. I think I shouted, you've had, you've did, had nine years to come up with that, you dense, thick twats. <laughs> did they? Probably. Possibly. <laughs> <probably got>, yeah. <laughs> I think I would say that's a really good shout because I, Gareth Taylor was a funny player, wasn't he? Because, he, like you say, his status with United fans was up, it was down, yeah, yeah. it was up, and he was there. But that, like you say, that strike is. And, and, and it's kind of a little bit tongue in cheek because Michael Brown's goal against them is always going to be seen because it's against them yeah. and it is a fantastic goal. But I, my, my quick back is always, it's not even the best volley scored by United at that end of Rubble Lane because that volley by Gareth Taylor is stunning. But. It, do, it kind of pales into insignificance because it's against Forest. it's not against Wednesday. Not my favourite volley of Bramble Line, though. But you're right, actually. Jack Yelkers as well. I'd Incredible. prefer Gillespie's against Charlton. The dip. Oh, okay. The dipper. Yeah. The dipper. In the Premier League season. Um, Evans, Evans volley at that end of the year. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't at that game, actually. But yeah, that was. Uh, how he managed to get that ball where he did side foot in it with that much power was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. I was on holiday for that. I thought it was about Chelsea. Yeah, I think Chelsea's <laughs> got a volley. So, how quick we forget we had <laughs> So, Luke. Yes. Two good nominations. What can yeah. you. My nomination is for an item. And if you own this, it will be the best 20 pence you have ever spent in your life. It is issue number 32,087 of the Greenham, which is specifically. The Blades Glory Owls Down. Oh, fantastic. Still got that at home. Slightly yellow now. Slightly yes. more yellow in the, the yellow. The yellow. So it's Blades Glory Owls Down, a picture of Ron Atkinson 
Probably one of his legs is up. He's head in hands, isn't yeah, he? Leaning on the sugarhouse. And it says, Glory, glory for United, doom and gloom for Wednesday. United made sure of promotion to the first division with a champagne style 5 2 victory at Leicester. Wednesday crashed 3 0 at home to Forest and were relegated as Luton pulled off an incredible 3 2 victory at Derby. Goal happy United go up in style, Wednesday relegated in Horror Show. Fantastic. Remember that, that, that was, that was waiting for me when I got I used to, I used to do the green and run. I used to do used the green and run. used yeah, to do the green and run up to GT News on Armsworth Top. Fetched the green in on Saturday, but that day I was at Leicester, my dad was at home. And by the time I come back, he just got that, and that's never left my possession. Can I also the best add that's ever spent, surely? Can I also add that's immortalised forever by the one and only Luke Preston, the piece of art that he yeah. sells. Yeah, blatant plug there, LukePress.com, get yourself a copy of that. <laughs> it's Christmas, guys. Those walls need filling with art. Yeah, my bathroom still needs finishing. His, his tiles need filling with ground. <laughs> and and, and uh, we're going to set up a Patreon so Dan's, Dan's extension, Dan's extension to get finished. Yeah, we have a Patreon account. Uh, just if anyone is interested in Patreon, somebody asked us if we were doing one on the second podcast. We haven't got any plans for that at the moment. But uh, if you do want to give us money, uh, buy some of Luke's art. I think that's a fair compromise. Yeah. yeah. Ian, go on there. get something back for that. So I. I think this, this could be another strong week. I hope. I'm going for. It's so far. Well, no, it's okay. So I'm going for the 24th of August 1994. And following from last week's nominations, which related to on pitch and off pitch aggro, this also relates to some on pitch and touchline aggro. I think I know what you're talking about. Go on. I'm talking about Sheffield United 1, Udinese 2 in the Anglo-Italian Cup. Still one of the craziest nights of football I've ever seen at Bramall Lane. Um, Charlie Hartfield, uh, Glyn Hodges, I think it was Nathan Blake, sent off. Did Bassett get sent off? Bassett got sent off for one of the decisions the referee gave. Bassett raised his right arm, put his two thumb and forefinger together and waved it up and down at the referee. <laughs> he denied he'd done it to the referee at the time but the video footage was slightly conclusive. VAR came into play, and I think he hadn't got a case, really. He, he told the referee what he thought. Yeah, you know, in 1994. <laughs> that's a really good shout, by the way, because that's one of the United in Europe. United in Europe. And Very my, topical, we might add. My, my one regret is that there was a trip to Piacenza by bus to go and watch Mick Rooker ran that, apparently. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, the bus didn't stop. Yeah, like, the, bus, the bus got lost, and Giacomo, Quintani, friend of the pod, was was because he's half, well, half Italian, was the interpreter. Yeah. And even he got lost <laughs> in the run streets of Milan trying to get the way out to... Uh, Do you know, you Kenton. just reminded me of a story, though. So you were saying about Bassett, the video caught him for what he was actually doing mm. when he denied it. Do you remember... Uh, oh, how can anybody forget the 3-1 game at Hillsborough? Yeah. Bobby Davison scored. Simon Tracy got banned after that game for running around the back of the goal and giving wanker signs to uh, Wednesday's cop. Yeah. And... Um, I, I was lucky enough through uh, association, I, I was in Simon Tracy's kitchen having a cup of coffee with him a couple of years ago and chatting about football and stuff like that. And he's got one picture of him playing for United in his whole house. And the only picture he's got in his kitchen is of what he was actually doing as he ran around the back of that goal. And he'd actually got his fists clenched running around with his arms up in the air. And he, someone gave him that video after he took the fine and got banned for it. But it's his only picture he's got of him playing football. Fantastic. Amazing. I mean, just going back as well now then to this match and Squintani we mentioned. 
he was interpreter for Udinese. United employed him, Rooks said we need someone who can talk to the Italians. So um, <coughs> he was around helping them, you know, talking to them in the dressing room. He saw them back to the hotel afterwards, but apparently in the uh, after match in the bar, obviously the players know the players normally come from both sides into the players' bar afterwards for a drink. Apparently Hodges, obviously he'd be one of the three United players to get a red card, um, had already just bought a crate of beer as the Italians walked in, just thrust his crate of beer at them and told them to fuck off. <laughs> and apparently they went end up back in the hotel just drinking beer and playing cards in the corridor of the moat house for uh, a few hours into the early hours of the morning. But I, I also remember as well that they scored a goal that night. Yeah. I think it was a volley, tremendous goal. And it was like, crowd <laughs> must have been about seven or 8,000 away. And it was this kind of reluctant applause because it was a fantastic goal, but in the scheme of what was going on, the play acting, I mean, the, their players, you know, first interaction you've seen in European football apart from when Genoa came as part of the promotion celebrations three or four years earlier. Um, you know, they were play acting, they were going down. Some of the things weren't sending off, but the referee, I think we had an Italian referee, for them we had an English referee over there, and he was just sort of giving giving red cards for fun and Bassett was losing his right. It could have been the moment where he just took them off, to be honest. Yeah. And then obviously he fielded the reserves when we went to Piacenza, which I think is part of the reason I didn't go for some reason. I thought it's, it was a lot of money as a student at college to go and watch United potentially field the reserve side, but I wish I'd gone. While we're talking about Italian football teams and, and talking about United getting more and more publicity, did you hear of Atalanta getting referred to as playing the Sheffield United way last yeah. night? Yeah, that was, was it Darren Fletcher or Sam Matterface? Oh, no, so it might have been Sam Matterface, it was BT Sport, Yeah, it? Yeah, because they Fantastic. were playing with overlapping centre-halves, the Sheffield United way. Yeah, brilliant. Poor yeah. Invitation yeah. So there you go, that's four, I think, pretty strong nominations this week. So, um, are we having the vote in the room the new feature, yeah, so... Uh, Shall I go? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Phil's, namely because my dad mincing around showing his back to someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's as good a reason as any, John. <laughs> I mean, sentences you didn't think you'd come out of tonight and say. <laughs> oh, so what have we got? We've got the Anglo-Italian Cup. Yeah. We've got Gareth Taylor's goal. Gareth Taylor's goal. The Green and, and, and the, and the Den Blades boys. Oh, I'm, I'm going for Den Blades, I think. I am as well. I'm torn between Den Blades and the Green, because the Green is still related to my favourite everyday watching United, and that will tip it for me just on the Den Blades. But there's no, I'm sure the Den Blades boys won't be offended by that. But it still means, I still means anyway, the vote. so yeah. it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter, so Den Blades wins <laughs> our vote. We'll put it out on the vote onto Twitter. Um, so, you know, get your votes in, but please do listen to the pod first. We try and disguise the vote so you have to, can't second guess why we put something up there. Um, but yeah, do have a listen to our our nonsense that nominates it, and uh, and get voting. Yeah, and uh, if you're lucky enough to have a ticket for Saturday, we'll see you down in London. Well, me and Phil definitely will. Half of you will, and if you want a couple of free prints of Luke, I know a way you could get them. It involves getting him a pair of tickets. Yeah, we'll happily exchange one piece of paper for another. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple transaction, but. I really enjoyed tonight. We're glad we braved the uh, weather. Hope you're all safe in there. We'll see you on Saturday. See you Saturday. Up the blades. Up the blades. If you're going to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on.
I've changed to Marais, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me Marais, we're right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well. <laughs>